step into the world of advertising with FjorgeCast, predicting the most important trends in the advertising industry. Host Tim Barsness dishes on the latest developments within the advertising realm. Tune into the FjorgeCast to receive insider tips and advice from experts within the advertising industry. FjorgeCast is your first stop in hearing about the unique opportunities and challenges advertisers face today. Cranberry Radio is proud to present FjorgeCast with your host, Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on FjorgeCast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we will be talking with Michelle Landis about our digital accessibility agency, Accessible360. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hi, Tim. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. So can you tell us a little bit about what Accessible360 does? Sure. Accessible360 is a digital accessibility agency, and we specialize in live user accessibility audits of websites and mobile apps to ensure that they can be used by disabled individuals who access the Internet with assistive technologies like screen readers. How did you um, land in the accessibility realm? That's a very interesting question. Um, So this opportunity was brought to myself and my co-founders, Mark Lasik, Kelly Henry, and Aaron Cannon, from an attorney, actually, who was having many of his clients be targeted either through a demand letter or an actual lawsuit for their websites not meeting accessibility guidelines, uh, most namely the WCAG 2.0 guidelines. Got it. And you um, you heard that opportunity and kind of turned it into a more formal process or a more formal company? We did. So we have been involved in technology for years together. Mark Lasek has been um, involved in the loyalty world for a very long time after creating the concept of frequent flyer miles way back in the 1980s for a little airlines here in town called Northwest Airlines. And every agency he did and every company that was brought to market after that, it was very common to have a piece of technology that separated them from their competition. And so it was with us when we were presented the opportunity and the need in the marketplace to solve this specific technology expertise need for companies uh, in Minnesota and across the nation, we jumped at the chance. We saw great white space in it. We saw a great need and our collection of uh, co-founders and and skills were a perfect fit for this business. Got it. Um, So give me an idea of timeline. When, when did um, you kind of learn about this opportunity and how, you know, what, what was the timing of forming the company? Sure. So the opportunity came to us almost a year ago, and we quickly took steps in order to secure Aaron Cannon, who, as I said, was one of my co-founders. Aaron has been blind since birth, but he is a full-stack web developer. He's been working as a full-time accessibility engineer since 2007, and he used to lead accessibility engineering for the nerdery in town and then worked for a huge national education company called Instructure. So it was May of last year when we brought all the pieces together and began working with our first clients. Got it. And I understand there's um, some legislation that has brought about perhaps some urgency in the accessibility space. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
I sure can. The legislation comes in the form, as I said, both in demand letters and then also in lawsuits. The Department of Justice has actually issued an advance notice of rulemaking saying that they will change the language of the Americans with Disabilities Act to include websites and mobile apps. During all of the time that we've been operating as a business and for many years, there have been, despite the lack of a written law, there have been numerous lawsuits and many, many, many uh, private settlements where the Department of Justice has acted as if the law has changed. So it's a little gray area for companies, probably the most confusing. We are the last forward-moving country that has not changed their Disabilities Act. Canada, the UK, and the EU have all changed their laws, but we have a lot more uh, of the legal activity here in the United States than they do. Got it. So you, um, we're also a lot more litigious than they are, right? We are as a society, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So I heard you say that the law has not changed yet, but yet the DOJ is acting like it has? Yes, that's very true. So the actual language of the Americans with Disabilities Act has not changed yet, but there are rulings across uh, the district courts. It's important to understand that there are already laws on the books from the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, which requires government agencies, schools, and anyone who receives public funding to make their websites accessible. The new law that we're talking about, the new upcoming changes or regulations, would make it um, legal a legal requirement that all public-facing websites would meet the WCAG 2.0 guidelines. Can you tell us a little bit about... Um how accessibility has come forward, not necessarily just from the requirements side, but from the technology side and, and from the you know, benefit to everyone side of, of where are we today as far as making websites accessible? So that's a great question. We're going back to where we started, to be honest with you. When the internet was launched and anybody who's been doing web development or working in this field since the early 1990s will tell you that when websites were originally created, for the most part, they were all accessible. Um, it was a goal of the internet at the time, the World Wide Web, to make information and content accessible to everyone. As designers and creative agencies and different people and technology has grown, we can do a lot more things functionality-wise, design-wise, and you know, there's just been a lot of advances on the other part. Unfortunately, we've gotten away from producing great code, which means that anyone using an assistive technology like a screen reader would also be able to participate in that content and that functionality. I think one of the biggest myths, Tim, is that it's really hard to make sites accessible or that maybe your design would suffer if you had accessible code. And those just simply aren't true statements at all. Why do people think that? I think, you know, compliance or regulation always in people's minds equals limits, maybe. In this instance, the opposite is true. When your sites are developed with great semantic HTML code and everything's marked up correctly and uh, you are building with accessibility in mind from the beginning, you actually um, are set up for advancements in technology. You can save your clients money. And the ultimate goal is that you're accessible to everyone, and that allows anyone to be in the audience on the websites that you're building. 
So it's almost as if making your website accessible isn't necessarily just for people with disabilities. It does obviously benefit them, but there's a lot more to it than that. There's a whole lot more to it. One of the biggest areas, honestly, for companies, one of the best uh, returns of investment is if all your code is marked up correctly and all your content um, is organized in the way it should be, your SEO and SEM efforts are, are going to um, increase a great deal. If you think about Googlebot going through a website that is not marked up correctly and not does not have accessible code, it's very difficult to rank high in those. So SEO and SEM is one of the ways that um, accessibility can really help. The other reason I can, you know, obvious reason is that there's a greater market share. If you're accessible to every possibly want to bank with, uh, make an appointment at your location or buy goods or services from you, then your market share is increased. Got it. Um, so um, you, I heard you say previously that uh, – Websites are have we've we've gotten away from good good or best practices. Um, what do you think is fed into um, kind of the the poor development of websites across the web? I think it's simply how fast technology grows. I think that you know all of us that work in technology know we move a lot faster than governments uh, for sure, and we move faster than companies. And there's a lot of creativity, a lot of entrepreneurship, a lot of advancements, and. When you have an industry that is moving forward fast, like web development, I think it is inevitable that some of the you know core things may have fallen off. And just a refresh back to the great basics and making sure that you build with accessibility in line from the start are um, is the best thing that you can do. I, I think it's a you know in other words, I think it's a fault of other good things happening. I think it's a fault of you know other great advancements and things just moving very quickly. Absolutely. That's a great point. We see that all the time here at Fjord. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we will be getting a little bit of accessibility advice from Michelle. Don't go away. Fjordcast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Looking for a white label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. 
content for your ears, and everything in between. Cranberry.fm. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjorgeCast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjorgeCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and we are here with Michelle of accessibility agency Accessible360. Michelle, can you give us a little bit of advice, maybe a pointer or two on how you do your work so effectively? Sure. So if we're lucky enough to work with a client that's acting proactively in making their websites and their digital properties accessible, the first thing we do is a live user audit, which generates a very detailed report for their developers in order to identify where accessibility issues are, exactly which audience is affected by them, and which WCAG guideline is in violation. And then we supply a recommended fix for them based on their custom code. That's why developers love working with Accessible 360 is because we work in partnership and in tandem with them to help our shared client. And then the other thing that we often recommend with proactive clients is making sure that they put an accessibility statement up on their website and also adopt an accessibility policy and plan internally in the company. When you post an accessibility statement on your web page, and if you wanted to use one of our logos that indicates that the site's under review, it's almost as if you're placing your flag on the moon that day and says, we started our accessibility project with our web developer and their accessibility partner, A360, in order to be proactive and moving forward. That way, if they ever receive a demand letter or a legal action later, they can point back to that date and time and claim that that was when they started it. So that's one of the best ways to help them proactively. And then, for example, if a company is targeted, the first step that they should do is talk to their legal, legal counsel, either internal and or external, start making improvements on their website, get an external uh, accessibility agency company involved so that they can do an audit. They should also um, track their actions. They should keep records of everything they do on their accessibility project. And then, of course, lastly, we just recommend that they follow the common elements of the Department of Justice settlements. So they're working towards the same goals that everyone seems to be. So do companies have to make their websites accessible? That's a great question. Uh, My answer is similar to one I think my mom gave me when I was younger. It's not a matter of if you have to do it. It's a matter of when you do it. Um, What I mean by that is there's a lot of public pressure uh, demanding equitable access to persons with disabilities. Plaintiff law firms are showing no signs of letting up. And at the end of the day, nearly every company I come across understands the need for it and that, and they want to do the right thing, which is make sure that everyone can be in the audience. Are you finding that most people who are passionate about making their websites accessible, it's because of a lawsuit or um, are there also people out there doing it just because they believe they should? So in 2016, over 80% of A360's clients were the target of a legal action. And so if you had asked me this question last year, I would have said, yes, the majority of people are doing it because they were targeted. I think the reason for that was they simply were not aware of the need of it before they were targeted. Now with so much information in the news and uh, so many more people covering this topic like you are, 
the awareness and the education has been brought up, and we've seen a tremendous amount of companies reaching out to us proactively since the fourth quarter of 2016 and in increasingly here as we move forward through 2017. Got it. Can you tell us a little bit about your process? What do you guys do when somebody engages with you? Sure. So the first thing we do, as I said, is we conduct a live user uh, accessibility audit of the site. We want to help them understand where the issues are on their site. And then we work with their internal development teams or their external uh, digital agencies in order to fix those issues on their site. Then we also offer monitoring to make sure we protect their investment in making their site accessible. We work with digital agencies like Fjord on new builds and when they want to add new improvements to their site to ensure that when they launch new pages, they meet the WCAG guidelines. Sure, absolutely. Why is it um, necessary to have a live user audit performed on your website? That's a great question. Um, I think if you ask designers if there was a software out there that they could run on their website to tell them if they had a great design or not or a great UX or not, they would uh, instantly think that was ridiculous. The same goes for accessibility. Because it's humans with disabilities that are using assistive technology in order to access websites and apps, it makes sense that a human test would be the one that you need in order to test for accessibility. There are scanning tools that can be used. They do have their place in testing. I think very skilled web developers can use some of the better ones out there after they learn where the true accessibility issues are on a site. But just like the U.S. government has said in their postings on the website, they can get you a little ways through identifying where accessibility is or where problems may be. But because it's a bot or a software, it can't mimic a live user experience. That makes sense, Michelle. Is it better to engage Accessible 360 on an existing website or for a new build? It's appropriate to engage us on either one, especially on new builds. There's an opportunity of a savings of 10 to 1 versus going back and retrofitting an existing website. So there's a couple of things that come into the decision-making process for the client. Number one, is the site older and dated, and would there be other benefits for working with their digital agency for upgrades and then using accessibility design from the ground up? Or if they've just invested, invested in one and it's working fine and we need to fix it, then it's okay to go ahead and retrofit an existing one. Got it. If you're um, getting designers to engage you for new designs, won't the design elements suffer if you have um, to make the site accessible? That's another great question. I think that um, a lot of times developers, before they understand exactly how we help them with accessible design, they may think that. But that is a myth that the design of a website would suffer. Anything that you want to do functionality-wise or visually display-wise in a website, you can do with accessibility in mind. It may mean that you need to learn a different technique, or it may mean that you need to learn to use a different type of slider or an accordion or that kind of thing. But we haven't been stumped yet. And it's really fun always to work with developers in order to collaborate and make sure that the wonderful things that they want to do visually and functionality-wise are also accessible. Absolutely. Do you find that um, a lot of the work you guys are doing is education of other people and how to correctly implement things? 
I would say education and awareness about this topic is one of our biggest initiatives is what we spend a lot of our certain business verticals are, are having a lot more activity as far as plaintiff activity. Thus, many of those companies are getting ahead of accessibility. So e-commerce is pretty well aware of this, so they should be. And another one is uh, banking, so community banking sites, which makes sense because those are the types of sites that people are on most frequently, right? You're shopping or you're doing your banking. So those are two areas where I think education and awareness is moving a little bit faster. Where I see things moving a little bit slower is maybe companies who don't realize that they may have employees with disabilities and some of their enterprise systems are not yet accessible or that their corporate websites and the information about their corporation, either in PDFs or other format, are not accessible to the general public. Those are coming along a little bit slower, but everyone is is tuning in for sure. Sure. Is enterprise system accessibility um, on the horizon as far as legislation? You know, as far as legislation, I, I can see it becoming a thing. I think in the business, it's important to know I didn't go to law school and I'm not a lawyer, although I work with them all the time. It's a natural progression, I think. So primarily we're dealing with websites and mobile websites, then native apps. And I think it's only a matter of time, yes, before enterprise systems. And then also things like the Internet of Things. So if you think about all the different gadgets, like your refrigerator having its own Wi-Fi and your garage doors and everything in your home being able to be synced up through a software application, it only makes sense that they're going to have to have those be accessible because one thing we all have in common is we're all getting older. And so you can think about accessibility in the terms of people who are currently disabled, but you also need to think about the fact that we're all eventually going to be there and we're all going to be dependent on technology. And that's why it's so important to make sure that we look towards the future and not only the current disabled people, but understand that as people age, and our population ages, this is going to become a bigger and bigger issue for all of us. Absolutely. We need to take a break, but when we come back, uh, we will cover a couple of news stories. The first is the 2017 Minneapolis-St. Paul Titans of Technology honorees, uh, and the second outlines some accessibility mandates. Don't go away. Cast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. 
Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. A more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with George Cash. Only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and I'm here with Michelle Landis of Accessible 360. Our first story today is from the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal, announcing the second round of winners, winners of the 2017 Titans of Technology. Michelle, it must be a point of pride to have Aaron Cannon named in the 2017 Titans of Technology honorees. Yes, absolutely. We're so proud of Aaron for receiving this recognition Um, He has been working as an accessibility engineer, as I said earlier, uh, for more than 10 years. But prior to that, Aaron's been in technology as a uh, full-stack web developer and software engineer for years and years. And we couldn't be more proud that he's a co-founder of Accessible360 and also of this particular honor, uh, elevating his status in the community of tech. Very proud of Aaron. Absolutely. It's it's very cool. Um, What did it take to earn that award? We went through um, an extensive nomination process, and there were certain criteria that needed to be met. He is surrounded by wonderful co-nominees, and we're really looking forward to the article coming out uh, soon in April, I believe. I just brought Aaron downtown last week to take his official photo for that article, and we're grateful for the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal to honor him and continue to support in their advancement of technology honorees. Absolutely. Our second story today is from GCN.com, titled Prepare Now for Upcoming Website Accessibility Mandates. Michelle, the article touches on the implementation gap, knowing what needs to be done and knowing how to do it. Um, To what extent do you think this characterization is accurate? Oh, I think there are so many things in the article that are helpful um, and that are grounding as far as the uh, current status of this. I think that once people understand what website accessibility is and what it means, they automatically, I would think, agree that government agencies should make sure that all the information that they put up should be accessible um, by everyone. But as it said, in the third annual uh, study, they found that nearly nine out of 10, or kind of an astonishing 87% of the government respondents said they have moderate, weak, or no knowledge of federal web accessibility requirements. So it is a little alarming. Absolutely. I've also seen that even people sometimes tasked with, um, you know, figuring this out don't necessarily dive into it as deep as they need to to really understand what's going on. I think that's really fair. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, the web developers have all the skills to do this. It's just getting them to understand how to use their current skills in order to meet the WCAG 2.0 guidelines. They are different from the original Section 508, 
Section 508 was very prescriptive and it was possibly a little bit easier to follow, um, but it didn't, it was also restrictive. So prescriptive and re uh, restrictive, right? The WCAG 2.0 guidelines are written with the intent that they will be able to be used as guidelines for a very long time. And as technology advances and things change rapidly, it makes sense that they're a little bit looser as far as how they tell you to reach the uh, requirement. But the requirements um, are laid out in a very understandable way. It's a special niche in web development to be a digital accessibility expert. And that's why digital agencies love partnering with us. I think back in the day, you can remember when there was a creative agency, then there became the digital agency. And now in the future, what we see is the digital accessibility agency partnering with them. Absolutely. That's it for today on FjordCast. Um, you can reach Accessible360 online at accessible360.com or on Twitter at, at accessible-360. And you can reach Michelle at michelle at accessible360.com or by phone 612-440-3601. Thanks for being on the show today, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, and thank you for joining us on FjordCast. You can download episodes of our program by going to cranberry.fm or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 